Welcome everybody to Spirituality Adventures. This is a non-judgmental place to explore spirituality, and we're so glad you're here. This is a viewer and listener supported podcast, so we greatly appreciate your support. If you're watching on YouTube, be sure and subscribe to my YouTube channel. Be sure and like, share, and subscribe to any of the social media content platforms that you're using. And then if you go to our website, spiritualityadventures.com, you can make a one-time donation or with a monthly subscription, you'll gain access to our bonus content. We greatly appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in. All right. Welcome everybody to Spirituality Adventures. We're glad, glad you're tuned in for this episode. And today, and today I've got, got Shandorf. Gene and I are, are, are actually meeting for the first time do, doing this Zoom interview, but uh, I, I'll give you a quick backstory of how this, this came about. Um, I, I've been going to the NAI basketball, basketball tournament in Kansas City since the 6th with my dad who played NAI basketball. Um, my nephew ended up playing basketball, followed, followed here. He played basketball at mid, mid America, Nazareth university. And he was all American uh, for years. Uh, they won a national championship under him and were runners up runners up one year as well under him, Danny, Danny Hawkins. And he's in the, uh, basketball hall of fame at mid America, Nazarene university now. And his coach was Rocky Lamar and Rocky is one of the top winning basketball coaches in in all of America basketball history. He's I think he's won maybe over 800, 800 games that puts him in a rare elite category. So Rocky Lamar was my was Danny Hawkins, Danny Hawkins coach, some friends all through these years. And usually Rocky and his wife Joe sit with us at the NAI tournament when there. Danny's there and um, I had recently, recently, maybe two months an interview with my favorite new theologian, <laughs> which say is a guy named Thomas J. Ord, Dr. Ord, Tom Ord. And, uh, I asked Rocky, I said, Hey, Rocky I said, Hey, Rocky, are you a theologian or just a basketball coach? <laughs> I was just kind of playing with him. And well, you know, uh, my dad was a pastor and, uh, my, my wife here, here, he turned me over to Joe immediately and. And I asked Joe the same question if she knew Tom Ward, and she said, "Well, um, my my brother knows him really well." And I said, "Oh, tell me about your brother-in-law." Well, it turns out uh, she told me about a guy who was a chaplain and a pastor and a cyclist, and and Tom Ward and knew Tom. And so so then I was like, "Oh, well, if you put Tom and cycling together, I thought, well, I got to do an interview with this guy." That's literally how it happened. And she, <laughs> she, I said, can you give me his cell phone, cell phone? And I got your cell phone texted, texted you and you were gracious to jump on here, Gene. Thank you so much. Welcome to Spirituality Adventures. Good to be here. Yeah. So let's start just by like, where, by like, what's your background, your, your origin, origin story. Where were you born? Where'd you grow up? Uh, yeah. How'd you get into pastoring and chaplain and, you know, being a chaplain, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, born in Medford, Oregon, Oregon, uh, moved against my will at the age of six months. Um, I was raised in Pasadena, California. Uh, my, 
my dad passed away just before I was born. I was born. And so mom raised my sister and I as a single mom. Uh, she was on the faculty at Pasadena College, which is now Point Loma Nazarene University. University. So I was a campus brat. Um, now, point been a part of the Church of the Nazarene my whole life. Um, I think the the first two weeks I missed were the, was the week was the week after I was born. I'd been there the whole nine months before that, and and was was back in church at about three weeks. Weeks. <laughs> Um, so that was, that, that was my background, uh, raised in a, a, a very healthy church, um, uh, kids and, kids youth, and youth ministry. And, and, uh, uh, so I kind of, that's the, the, the Nazarene church kids story is, is kind of my story. I was saved at summer camp about nine years in a row, row. um, <laughs> And uh, uh, went to Pasadena College, Nazarene College, um, not really knowing what I wanted to do, majoring, but um, mom was on the faculty, so it was free. So you go, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of my first classes was a class taught by a, a gentleman by the name of Paul Paulson. Turned out to be a psych prof, psych class. And after about a week, I decided I to major in whatever this old guy was teaching mm. and because he was that engaging. Mm. Mm. So I did an undergraduate degree in psych. And about halfway through college, I sensed a call to ministry. Stayed in my psych major and then went to seminary in Kansas City. Kansas City, yeah. where I learned about barbecue. <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah, so... And What's the name of the seminary here in Kansas City? It's Nazarene Theological Seminary. Yeah, it's one of it's one of the seminaries, right? Pardon me. One of the top Nazarene seminary seminaries. I, really, it's the only Nazarene seminary in the U.S. Okay. We have some international campuses, but yeah. it's the only it's the only one uh, in in the U.S. Uh, our, our colleges are more, more offering graduate degrees as well. Well, right. But, but yeah, um, seminary only. Um, what what years were you there in Kansas? I was in seminary in 72 and, uh, well, 71, 73. Okay. Interesting. Let, let me back up on you just a minute. Um, yeah. Did you say that Pasadena College is now Point Loma? Yeah. I I, I must be, con I, I thought Point Loma was San Diego. Yeah, it is. It is. They, um, the college moved in 73, right okay. after I graduated. Okay. They moved from Pasadena, got a heck of a deal on a well, ocean, ocean. Campus, okay. and moved to San Diego in 73. I, I, I've never been to that campus in San Diego, but I've been told that's one of the most beautiful campuses in America, America. <laughs> That it that's entirely possible. It it really is spectacular. And I have a cousin that has been a full time maintenance guy at Point Loma, uh, sc uh, school there decades now. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah one one of my one of my first cousins. Yeah, been on maintenance staff there for for decades. So, 
Well, their campus well, does most of their recruiting for them. Okay. It's a beautiful spot. He, but he, he loved it. He loves working for the, the, the school. Yeah. Well, cool. So then back to Kansas city. Um, yeah, you went, you went to Simmery 72, 73, three. I'm, I'm curious a little bit, you know, you know, you know, there's new, um, Asbury revival thing, uh, going yeah. on right now. And it, it kind of is similar to, to, I know there was an Asbury thing that went on, went on in the seventies that was similar. Yeah. I was, I was on campus in Pasadena when that happened about 69, I think. Okay. I, I couldn't, we were, we were a part of, we got swept up in that like a lot of other schools. Other schools. Did. Yeah. Uh, we actually, I, I think Asbury sent ambassadors out across the country and we had some Asbury students speak in our chapel and, Right. Well, what made what made me think of it was professor at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary named Jack Gray, and Jack um, during that Asbury revival had become friend friends with uh, some of the, I guess some of the leaders in that, and some some of the professors at your seminary were were a part of that as well. And they they have they happen to be friends with Jack Gray. Jack Jack was my spiritual formations teacher at Southwestern, and he he was always wanting me to meet his Nazarene Seminary professor friends friends, mm-hmm. and I never did. So uh, and I can't now nah, I can't even bring up their name their names or it. It just made me think of that because he was those were fun friend fun memories of yeah. his you know yeah. his, you know. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, so you were at seminary. Did you get a get a divinity? Actually, I I didn't graduate from seminary. Um, I I got an opportunity to go uh, work with a, a pastor in Southern California who I, who I believed would be a really significant mentor to me, and it turned out that was true. And it, so. Right after my wife and I got married, we moved to Anaheim, Anaheim, and I worked on staff there for four years and finished my master's at Point Lola. Okay. What was the name of the church in Anaheim? Anaheim First Nazarene. Nazarene. Okay. Um, um, did you meet wife at seminary? Uh, yeah. Well, she was at Mid-America Nazarene College at the time. and oh, nice. Blind date. <laughs> single seminary guy guy good looking college girl right what church did you go to when you're in kansas city you know it's interesting uh particularly in light of what you're doing right now um i served for two served years, two years. As a pastor at broadview christian church the disciples oh. of christ church in interesting yeah which i understand now is a is new vision christian church Okay. Um, um, I, I, I did a little Googling yesterday to find out what uh, what they were up to. And uh, it's a predominantly African-American church now uh, down at Blue Ridge Parkway. Blue Ridge Park. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I was ordained Southern, Southern Baptist almost 30 years as a vineyard pastor. And then now I'm 
newly like two months disciples of Christ. Christ pastor. Pastor. So yeah, 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 yeah. That, that was quite a change for this Nazarene boy. Nazarene. Yeah, but it was good. It was a positive time. Interesting. Very interesting. Yeah, a little, probably a little, little more progressive than the Nazarene church. Yeah, everything but the little part. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> everything but the little part uh, their manual of discipline wasn't quite so thick probably right, right, right. <laughs> yeah and i was yeah. you know I, I had to i had to process this radical idea of communion every sunday yeah well i'm doing that for the first time yeah yeah yep yep well, what's the non-negotiables that I can't, I can't change, you know, <laughs> or like Lord yeah. every Sunday communion, every Sunday. It's like, yeah, yeah. we'll go with it. <laughs> I can do that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, cur I'm currently in a Nazarene church yeah. that does church. that as well every Sunday. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. I mean, in, when I was, was Baptist, maybe once a quarter, you know, right. was, that's what I grew up on once yeah. a quarter. You didn't do it that much, but when at, at my vineyard church, we did it once. We did it once a month. Yeah. But yeah. So An Anaheim, you go from Anaheim. How many kids do you have, by the way? We have, we have two. Um, they're both grown adults. We have both. six. We have kids. Our oldest grandkid is 23 and our youngest is 13. Awesome. So we're not cool anymore. Right. right. But you probably are if you ride your bike. If you ride your bike. Some, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You know, it's hard. Yeah, anyway, uh, we'll talk about cycling here in a minute. But so where'd you go from Anaheim? Um, I really uh, felt the desire uh, to preach. preach. I was with a pastor who was an excellent, was an excellent preacher, and I was not going to get to preach in that environment. That's a very positive thing. I'm not being critical at all of him. Uh, I took a church in Long Beach. Uh, from there, I was there, there I was five there. years, and then we moved to Humboldt County, California, northern Northern California. I was there for ten years, and our yeah. church was right across the street from Humboldt State University. State University. And I got absolutely captivated and captured by ministry to college students. And after 10 years there, I accepted, I accepted him as chaplain at Northwest Nazarene University. And I was chaplain at the university for 23 years. Wow. Wow. That's awesome. And that's the professional journey. journey. North Green is in, is that in Boise? Uh, Nampa, just outside of Boise. Right. Boise. Okay. Excellent. Ah, great for you. College chaplaincy. That keep that keeps you young. Evidently, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Idaho's such a beautiful state. I had never um, realized that. Is that? And there was a friend of mine who um, actually came to Jesus during the Jesus movement out in California. Dad was the principal of Hollywood high school where Richard Dreyfus went and all that. And, uh, came to Christ in the Jesus movement ended up planting a vineyard church in Boise, Idaho, a guy named Robinson. 
and uh and and it was you know you know grew be a really yeah. good, good solid influential there in boise try and i try found out that i was at a backpacker and a fly fisherman he said man you need to come to idaho you know this was this is this is a go so so he had horse he had horsebacked and fly fished every lake in the sawtooth mm. crazy crazy yeah yeah so he knew the knew the sawtooth well and i backpack i hike instead of horse but he he mapped out you know some some stuff for us uh me and a, me and my buddy uh uh and we were a couple of times backpack fly fish cut cut throat you know and then i've done rock climbing in idaho down by um down the southern part part elephant rock is it cock that rock there's a rock oh. I'm not familiar with that, but I there's several there's several climbing spots down here. Yeah, one of them has a famous rock that actually look looks it's a natural, but it looks like an elephant. Oh, I've climbed that and done hundred mile bicycle gravel competitions in the sawtooth. You know, uh, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I fished up in northern Idaho and the Saint and Saint Marys and Coeur d'Alene. All yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. So it's a beautiful state. I never, never realized how beautiful Idaho was, but, um, yeah, love that part of the world. So tell, uh, one of the things that I, I found fascinating was cycling, uh, story, uh, cause Joe Lamar was telling me about your cycling. So how did you get in, get into sight into cycling? You know, I, I, my wife and I both um, owned bikes and rode a little. And when I was in my mid thirties, I, I thought I hadn't been on my bike in a while, but I wanted to go out and do it again. And I, I rode about a half an hour and nearly died and realized I was in terrible condition. So I started riding again at that point and riding with riding. A, little more, a little more seriousness and, and, uh, uh, and, and really we've been uh, pretty much on the road bikes ever since we, we, we don't do the off-road mountain bike stuff. We we're pretty much road, pretty much road now trail bikes, uh, rail trail bikes and that kind of thing. But, uh, uh and then in, in 2017, I got, Talked into joining the group on a coast to coast ride, ride, which was always a dream. I always wanted to do it, but I I felt like I'd waited too long. I was, I guess I was sixty eight at the time, and I thought that was too old. <laughs> and it turns out it wasn't. Turns out it wasn't. Uh, good job. And um, and so we've been. I'm Sue, and I'm still riding. So yeah, yeah. I that's the thing I like about about cycling is you can. You can age with it, you know. Yeah, yeah. We we haven't gone the electric bike route yet. Yeah, neither have I. <laughs> that might be in the future. future. I have friends. That, you know what's interesting? I I went out. I took uh, uh, last summer. My one of my one of my Sue does a lot of RV camping with with friends. They RV uh, camped up in uh, Breckenridge area for the first time mm-hmm. in the High Rockies and. So I, I love that area. I go there quite often, there quite often. I 
I decided to meet them out them out there and I kind of camped out and you know under the stars while they were in their RVs but they decided they wanted to uh, rent electric bikes one day one day and I you know I just rode my rode my uh, gravel bike uh, but took them I probably took them on a 25 mile ride they had a blast they kicked my butt going up the the big mountains right sure. And, uh, and, uh, and loved it. And I, so I, that's a, that's a, like, they could have never ridden, ridden a regular, they would, they would have died after 20 minutes on a regular bike. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So, and the, so there's, there's really, there's really benefits to like, oh think. yeah. Yeah. I, I don't have any, I, I, I no ill will, ill will toward electric bike riders. A couple of, well, there've been a couple of situations that I've been yeah. frustrated, a little frustrated. When I when I see a when I see an eighteen year old going twenty five miles an hour on a bike trail, that that's a little frustrating. Right. But uh, on on electric bike. Yeah, yeah. But I sure get. I mean, they those bikes have have put several friends our right. age back on the trail. Right. Who wouldn't be riding otherwise, and I think that's wonderful. I do too. Okay. I'm 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 going to hold off as long as I can. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of where we are. I will, I will probably eventually be there, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so I'm curious, like what, what kind of bikes do you ride? Well, I know mean, this is getting in a little geeky for bike, but I have, but I have listened to my podcast. So yeah, yeah, no, we're, we're, um, I, I, a whole interview. You know, I, I, I ascribe to that mathematical formula of the appropriate number of bikes that a person should a own. Person should which is N plus one, one. Um, so we each have a road bike. Uh, we each have a kind of a hybrid, uh, upright handlebars, a little bit wider tires, tires, sort of, sort of a gravel bike, but cheaper. Mm -hmm. Um, we have a recumbent tandem mm. that we love to ride. Mm. Uh, uh, and then, and then, and then we have a couple of cruisers and I, I think the inventory in the garage is down to about 11 right now. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I have, uh, that I ride, I probably have five in my garage, but I have three, uh, three that uh, I run one, you know, one's a Norbea road bike, full carbon one's mm -hmm. a, uh, salsa warbird warbird gravel full carbon uh -huh. and then my mountain bike is is a uh, is a uh, cannondale lefty full carbon uh-huh yeah so uh they're all nice bikes i yeah. used to, i used to have a ford ranger ranger and i'd put my two two of my bikes back of my ford ranger and if i crashed and totaled everything. I'd get more money for my bikes than my truck, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. I remember I remember one I used to do I used to crit race. I don't crit race anymore, but I, I've done I still do gravel and mountain bike races, but I used to do do crits, you know, for money kind of stuff. And yeah. Yeah. I remember I bought a I bought a set of full carbon race, race wheels, you know. I mean, just the wheels are almost two thousand dollars. You know, right. I mean? yes, yes. but uh, I'd have people at church at church, you know, ask me like, "Well, how much do you did you 
pay for your bike. You probably, probably, what did you pay three or four hundred dollars? You know, like <laughs> I'm going, yeah, little little bit north of that. <laughs> that yeah. that got me a pedal. <laughs> well, and I've been amazed at the at now the the upper end oh, prices okay. on on mountain bikes. Just we have a we have a good friend here in town that owns a bike shop, and it, it just you know his cheap bikes eleven hundred bucks now. That's his his entry level bikes are eleven hundred bucks, and I'm just I don't think I've ever bought a new bike. I've yeah. always uh, gone into the market and picked up a a higher end used bike. I mean that's and, uh, really the way to like like when so many people that know I cycle and you know they want to get into it and do it and they want me questions about this and i i always tell them to do to hey go in <laughs> my bike shop friends probably don't like this but like go yeah. get fitted you know and then and then like don't buy a dick dick's bike don't buy a car a walmart yeah. bike don't buy a you know yeah get a get a legit bike but you can you can get one you and used for you know, a third, third of the price of a new right? and, and get, and have a really nice bike. Yeah. And, and then if you don't like it, don't ride it. You haven't, yeah. you don't have a, you know, a Dick's bike on your hand that yeah. Yeah. you don't need. And you can, you know, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you do? What, what kind of road bikes do you usually, what are your what favorite? Bike? What Pardon kind? Of, yeah. What brands do you ride? What one? Actually, you know, again, we we yeah, bought everything we everything we have now. We bought used. So, um, my uh, my road my road bike is a a, a Trek Pilot. I think. I think. Mm -hmm. My uh, my wife's uh, road bike is a Felt. Uh, mm -hmm. That I was, uh, I was doing a, a supply pastorate in Port-au-Prince, Haiti. And I was looking at Craigslist in Nampa or Boise, and I saw this felt for two hundred dollars. And oh. I called, I called my wife and said, "Go buy that bike." Yeah. And she and she she kind of hemmed and hawed around, and I said, "Listen, the only reason I'm calling you is calling because you. I'm eighty. If I was there, I'd be showing you the bike. I would have bought it yesterday." <laughs> so she has this wonderful little felt uh, road bike. Um, then our our um from our hybrids uh hers is a trek and mine's a specialized hers is a women's geometry mm -hmm. trek and mine's a specialized mm. uh, i i think we paid 150 or 200 a piece for them wow and they're they're you know they do everything we need we're not in competition so yeah yeah that's great they're good little bikes and then the the recumbent tandem is a Rand Screamer. Rand Scream. Yeah, I don't know that world. World. Yeah, I picked up off eBay several years ago, hmm. and uh, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I've never ridden a recumbent bike. So yeah, I hadn't either before I before I bought this one. Bought this one, but uh. it's a different kind of riding. Yeah, so you guys have uh, you you've almost ridden in all fifty states. Tell us about that. You 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 did this trip across coast to coast to coast. We did the coast to coast, and we got home and realized we 
we'd ridden in 26 states and we thought, well, we ought to just do the rest. <laughs> and so, so we've, we've taken a couple of long trips. Uh, two years ago, we did the Southeast last summer. We did the Northeast and, and we're sitting at 46 now. Wow. Which, and, which are the and, ones you have? Well, the two obvious ones, Alaska and Hawaii. Hawaii. Okay. And, uh, now, I've heard that mountain biking in Hawaii is just spectacular. I, I imagine it would be. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have a to get me over there just to, just a mountain bike. Yeah. yeah. I, I haven't, I haven't so, ever biked. So Alaska, Hawaii, and Hawaii, and where else? Uh, oddly, um, Oklahoma and yeah. Nevada. Okay. So we'll pick them up in the next year or so. Okay. Okay. My wife's folks are from Wichita, Wichita. Kansas. Kansas. Your folks? Yeah, her folks are. Her folks. Oh, that's where I was born. And, yeah, and so we get back there uh, every year or so. And sure. so we'll, we'll drop down to Oklahoma and, and pedal around the car one day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've done uh, I've done big bicycle races in Tulsa. Oh. Um, I've done, I've done, they've changed the name of it, but there, there was, a, there was a, one of the early 20 some years ago when they f- first started gravel races, one of friends, uh, started this race in Emporia, Kansas <clears throat> called oh. the dirty Kanza. And it's a two mile gravel road race through the Flint Hills of Kansas. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I jumped on that pretty early on. Um, you know, it, it, it grew to end up being, end up being thousands of peeps thing. And they ended up having a 50 and a hundred and a 200 and I always did hundred. And now they've changed now. Now a corporation bought the race out and, uh, yep. they call it, they call it unbounded, but, uh, and, and gravel racing's taken off. I mean, I mean like Jan Cappy yeah. sponsors gravel races now and, you know, huge gravel races all over America. Now yep. it's, you know, it's yep. kind of a, anything but you know i tend to mountain bike and gravel ride because i don't ride on the roads anymore just especially as a you know if i go out by myself i mean it's dangerous you know people texting and they they just it's kind of crazy so if i ride in a group we can do do road pretty safely you create a bigger presence and everything but um yeah we're when you did the coast to coast thing, um, you, what did you do? How many miles, miles a day did you do? And you kind of doing this as a ministry trip, right? You were preaching. Yeah, we did it as a fundraiser for a ministry. Um, we were on the, we were on the road 72 days. We averaged about 65 a day. They, uh, didn't ride on Sundays. We were located in churches on Sundays for services. Um, we rode the bike centennial trail from Astoria, Oregon to Virginia. Virginia. Mm. Um, and it, it goes up through Yellowstone and the Tetons over, um, Chinook pass and through Breckenridge, right. That that goes, that goes through Breckenridge. Um, and then out, uh, comes out of Colorado out of Pueblo and then goes pretty much straight East. Mm through Kansas and Missouri and, uh, up uh and down yeah. through, through Missouri and Kentucky and Kentucky. Virginia. <laughs> and finally, finally the coast. What kind of, 
What kind of roads? What did you find? What did you find were your fate and what were the worst roads? Which didn't, which um, one did you feel most, most insert on? I, I mean, yeah, they, Bike Centennial, which is the group that uh, now they call it Adventure Cycling, I guess is their name now. Uh, they originally charted that trail, that route in route. 76 for uh, uh, the, the Bicentennial. Um, and, and they did a really good job of, of it's all, there's, there are very few trails. It's only all highway, but they did a really good really job, good job of, uh, uh, staying away from traffic and staying on, on uh, secondary back roads. It's all paved. Uh, we didn't really have any any problems. Um, the probably the biggest challenge was the dogs in Kentucky would chase us down. Those those stories are all true all about true. the dogs in Kentucky. Uh, uh, and, <laughs> and if there was a if there was a state that had less of a sense of working with cyclists, it was probably Missouri, Southern Missouri. Mm. Um, um, but uh, me. not, not really, you know, not really much of a problem. We, when, when my wife and I ride now, we ride almost exclusively on rail trails. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, we, we stay out of the traffic as much as possible and yeah, just enjoy the ride, and there's a wonderful. The rail trail system is really amazing now. It's it's uh, um, they're everywhere, mostly in the east. mostly in the east, covered yeah. with trails, but uh, but that's what we do. We do we do twenty and to fifty miles on rail trail. Missouri, we've got the KDD Trail, which yes, Kansas City to St. Louis to St. Louis. Right. You know, uh, I have lots of friends that have done that. And, and Rocky did that, by the way. Rocky Lamar did that. <laughs> did oh, that. Yeah. Serious? Yeah. And he's not a cyclist. I would say not. I, yeah. I, I, yeah. But he did that. I didn't know that about Rocky. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. 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 Him. Good for him. Yeah. yeah. I don't think he considers it a good memory. <laughs> I bet not. <laughs> <laughs> it's a painful memory for him, probably. Yeah. Yeah. I had a, I had a, I had a friend, my teams who did Ram actually uh -huh. and, um, his stories, you know, cause he was trying to ride morning, noon and night without right. any sleep or rest. It's literally, yes. and, and he, he has some, some pretty graphic to scrib out his, his butt in the saddle that long, uh -huh. like even chamois butter didn't help out. You know, I ride. Uh -huh. Oh, that's yeah, yeah. but <laughs> you, you can't sit on a bike 20 hours a day a day Whew. yeah so i've never the, i mean the, the the longest ever done is that 200 mile gravel road race and that that's a 13 hour ride for me you right. know um and that's I mean, that's clipping it pretty you know starting at 6 a.m and i'm getting oh, yeah. before before the sun sunsets really uh that's hitting a pretty good pace but um yeah wow well, int well, interesting, fun. Um, so let's talk theology a little bit. Uh, sure. If you got a few minutes. Um, so give me. So you you've been Nazarene your whole. Oh, oh before we jump theology, I want to just want to just make a quick plugging in. Um, we appreciate you tuning in to Spirituality Adventure. And if you're not currently on our support team, please consider doing that. Go to spirituality.com. 
And that's our website. You can jump on there and you can become one of our uh, monthly monthly servers and you get special bonus content with that, different uh, content for the different uh, price level. I mean, just for different donation levels, that kind of thing. It's tax deductible gifts, but we do have have, uh, content as well for our donors and contributors, supporters. So thanks for listening and jump on there and become one of our supporters. We appreciate it. But yeah, let's talk theology. You were you've been Naz, been Nazareth time, and and um, how has your theology developed and changed over seventy years? Seventy years, or how or how old are you? Seventy. Seventy four. Seventy four. Okay. So over six or seven decades, you, you know, <laughs> um, how has your theology developed and changed and because I did an interview with Tom Ward, Ward uh, months ago, specifically on open relational process theology, we did a yeah. whole podcast on that. Um, so, and I, ha- I actually had a lot of viewers who ended up going out and buying, going out and buying his books, and really, really found that fascinating because some of them hadn't yeah, yeah. really been expo- exposed to that much, right? Um, you know, with the the new Calvinist sort of revival that came about with, you know, some, you know, someone like Tim Ken, oh, you know, just different names that are out that are out there, um, yeah. you know, um, the, the, I think a lot of people from the more, cons- the more conservative even world have probably bumped into, you know, you know, some Calvinist theology, then maybe some form of Arminian theology, but the open and relational and process world is a little different. So I'm just curious your own journey, you know, yeah. how's it well, changed? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I'm the classic church kid. Um, my, my act of open rebellion and was uh, going to a Baptist church on a Sunday night, not telling my mom. In fact, I think I told my mom we went bowling, which I thought was less less sinful than going to a Baptist church. Wow! Wow! When when, when I was in high school, and yes, there was a girl. There was a girl. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, oh, so how the Baptists uh, grow? You know, know? I, I don't. I don't have one of those conversion stories. Story outside the church, um, but. But I did grow up in an environment, particularly because of my my mom. I grew up in an environment, environment of, of real genuine appreciation for the spiritual journey of others, whether that was like mine or not. Um, mom was a traveler. We'd been in the lower 48 states by car by the time I was in eighth grade. Um and we would always go to worship centers, and it didn't matter what the sign over the sign was. Uh, uh, of course, a variety of Protestant churches, Catholic churches, Buddhist temples, mosques. This is back in the 50s and 60s. Wow. Wow. And we would always go to those, and we were, we were taught... Mm-hmm. At the level that you would teach a kid, we were taught to be respectful of those places. Right. That's good. And, and how those places represented what was most important to those people. Mm. 
Mm. And so that was kind of inbred. Bred. Yeah. Um, I, I, uh, I did a psych major in college, uh, uh, which kind of helped me look at stuff from a different, from a different even religious experience mm-hmm. from a little bit different perspective, um, was, uh, uh, influenced early on, challenged early on, on, um, I'm trying to remember the guy's name. Oh no. <laughs> by by a contemporary psychologist at that time, whose name I'll remember in a minute, um, and and uh, kind of open, open, opened my mind to think about religious experience in a little bit different way. Um, but then, you know, seminary and graduate school and cool. into the band, into all very much in the Wesleyan tradition. Uh, if, for 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 any listeners who might be Nazarene, they would already know that there's a difference between an Indiana Nazarene and a Southern California Nazarene. And I was a Southern California Nazarene. We were liberal. We weren't, but we were by by some standards. Right. Right. Um. So I, I mean, that was my world. I worked. Uh, uh, Wesleyan theology, uh, holiness tradition, um, and and I, I think that uh, has has just uh, kind of matured over time in terms of uh, um, reading more stuff, you know, and and I I, I really I, one of the things that's most important to me is is that I I believe that there is there is no one, no exceptions. There is no one from whom I can't learn. Yeah. Um, again, no exceptions. No exceptions. Right. right. Everybody knows. Everybody knows. Something. Something. Yep. If I'll shut up and listen. Yes. I'll learn something. something. Yes. Uh, I, I think I I have my, Not my uh, a lot to thank for that. That. Uh, uh, um, so. About uh, 15 years ago or so, um, I invited Brennan Manning to come to our, our school our to school speak. speak. So and just in instance, if you never heard of Brennan Manning, you just go pick up Ragamuffin Gospel or any number of books that he's written. Beautiful, beautiful. Uh, you know, I love Brennan because he loves grace and love and love right yeah yeah um brennan came and one afternoon uh brennan and i were talking and he asked me if i had ever read any thomas merton merton sweet i said no but i see him quoted everywhere right right and he he said and i I don't uh, i don't want this to sound arrogant at all but because it's not but he he said I I don't recommend it to everybody, but he said I think you might you might you might get it. You know you, you he might connect with you. Hmm. And about a month later, I was in a used bookstore and store his autobiography, his early years, uh, and uh, that started me on a journey. Hmm. I, I I now own all seventy four books. Wow. <laughs> 
Thank, thank you, eBay. <laughs> wow. So which of Thomas Merton's? Yeah. Yeah. So which, so which to pick one or two or three for, for our audience to say, what would you suggest for Thomas? Well, I, this I, is always say, uh, I, I always say that a good place to start with Merton is a book called new seeds of contemplation. Okay. I've read that one, that one is a series of essays. They're not all, you know, they're not all linked to one another. You can kind of jump in where you want. Yeah. Um, one of the most significant books for me, and probably because of my because of my uh, Wesleyan holiness background, uh, has uh, I'm, I'm looking at my Merton collection, trying to remember the title of this book that's been that's most influential in my life that I can't think of right now. I think of right uh, now. <laughs> the The title is Life and Holiness. That one, which is, um, to my mind, uh, the best book on holiness theology that I've ever read. read. Thomas Merton. Yeah. Wow. Um, Oh, um, interesting. And so I got to write that down. (laughs) Yeah. Life and holiness. Merton has been. I don't. I don't want to leave the impression that I've read all seventy of his books. Uh, I'm probably thirty into the library. Um, but uh, it's come to the place where sometimes I'm not sure where Merton ends and Gene begins mm-hmm. and that, and I'm okay with that. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, so that's, that's very, very influential in, 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 uh, how I've grown and where I, where I've come to. Very good. Um, you know, you know, Richard Rohr, I, I, I can't remember if I told you, uh, yes. we might've been, been offline. Um, but, uh, when I was at my darkest, uh, in 2000, 2000, feeling like an atheist, even though I'm a gracious reader and studier my whole life, I was, I wasn't even reading, you know, you know, I was just kind of dead, uh, spiritually. And a friend sent me Richard Rohr's book, Falling Upward. And, mm-hmm. and you know, it was a, a big fan of Thomas Merton's. Yes. And, um, and <clears throat> Richard has a book on the, the true self. I can't remember the um, immortal yeah. maybe um, is, is the title of it with the true self. And so he, he flips back to back to Merton seeds yes. of contemplation book. And that's what led me to that book. Uh, yes. Of course I had, was it his seven story mountain mountain? Yes, that, that's the, that that's the first ago. book that I read was seven story mountain of his that I read too, too. But uh, yeah, so interesting. Um, so um, yourself uh, in, in Tom Ward's uh, camp of op- of open and theology. Is that, is that then you would subscribe to, have you read his books or yeah, just- I've, I've, I've read a few of them. And of course, Tom and I, still meet for coffee every now and then every now and then nice um and and we we kind of get to the same place on a different road than each other describe that to me well well where you know the the thesis of tom have, have you read god can't i read, read god can't i read open relational okay. theology so the, the, this idea that where where Tom Tom would, would Tom struggle would, with words like almighty and all powerful and and able to do anything, hence the title. Right. 
Yeah. Uh, Palm would see those, I'll use the word limitations, and I understand, understand that's a loaded word for some. Uh, Tom would see Tom would see those limitations as inherent in God's nature, and I would probably would see probably those limitations see as a consequence of God's choices. Hmm. And we and we both come out in the same place. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, uh, and and uh, and I'm also very aware that Tom might be right about that. <laughs> And once he even told me he thought I might be, though though he would not, though he would deny that. Deny that. <laughs> um, um, I, I think th- this his real contribution from, from from my perspective. You know, he tackles that what what um, who who is the guy that years ago wrote why why bad things happen to good people? A Jewish rabbi, Kushner. Uh, Kushner. Uh, yes, Kushner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kushner said Kushner once that the only religious question that matters is the question of suffering. And I think he's right. I do too. I, I think he's right. And and Tom courageously goes down a path that, that not very many other people have been willing to go down right. in response to that question. Um, I mean, Buddhism really circulates around that. Totally. Yes, it does. You know? yeah, yeah, very much. Yeah. Very much. Very much. I mean, my understanding of Buddhism is limited, but and, and some of it comes from by the way. Uh, but uh, the the idea that that suffering suffering is the is the distance between what you have expected and what you experienced. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it is uh, has been very helpful uh, to me and to me and uh, so. Um, yeah, so 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 I think one of Tom's real contributions is is the uh, relational aspect. Um, um, as Tom has pointed out, and I incidentally, I, I should full disclosure, I listened to your podcast with Tom yesterday. Oh, nice. <laughs> the the um, uh, the the notion that God is untouchable, unchangeable, unemotional. That God is very Greek, you know, very Zeus-like. Yeah, is is a tragic misunderstanding of the biblical image of God. Agree, agree. Yeah, seems to, in in the Old Testament, seems to be able to be talked into things and talked out of things. Right. Um, you can almost hear him slapping himself in the forehead and forehead. Say, Shoot, I hadn't thought of that. Of that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that may be a loose, a loose paraphrase, but yeah, like instead of oh my god, it's like oh myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, when Moses says you don't want to do that, that's gonna ruin your reputation with Egypt. Oh <laughs> you know, and um so I I, so I think that's Real significant contributions, contributions, and then uh, anybody that has pastored for any amount of time has been in the room with that person who says, "Where was God when I was abused?" Yeah, you ever been there? You ever been there? Yeah. How many times? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, many. And and I, Tom answers that question. 
in a way that has been redemptive to a lot of people, a lot of people. I agree. Um, and so, you know, he, he, we, we, we probably disagree around the fringes on mm. some things. Yeah. But, uh, uh, I, I think I would say, and the word might get out that I said it. Tom's one, of, Tom's one of the most Christian Christians I know. Nice. And uh, you know, if the theology you know, is a theology, <laughs> you know, outside the lines now and then, and then. Uh, well, it's it's definitely where I've landed for sure after all that I've gone through. Um. And, uh, yeah, I've, I, I've had to definitely rethink my concepts of God. Um, and he's, he's been helpful along with a few others too. I've, I've actually gone back and reread my process and my process guys, you know? Yeah. 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 Um, and you know, it, you know, if you think about like, where, you know, like your college, you know, if you think about your, the students that you've been a been a chat over, you know, no, two and a half decades. Um, I'm sure like, like if you, if you thought about what, what were the three or four most persistent, difficult, difficulties that they wrestled with, with, if you had to pick two or three or four. Yeah. Yeah. What would those be? And then how has your, how I think I'm just curious, what would those be? And then, and and some, you know, I think the the type of theology you're describing sometimes can help save some of those students and those questions in terms of a faith perspective. Yeah, yeah. Save might be save might be too strong of a word, but them navigate. Well, no, I I don't think it's too strong a word. I some I, some names come to mind that it applies it applies to probably. Um, uh, I I think the first thing first is, thing is kind of a universal experience that we all grow up grow up um, thinking our experience is like everybody else's experience. And so if you grow up Nazarene, you have this picture of how that all fits together. And if you grow up Southern Baptist, you have this picture of how all that fits together. And and then in, in my experience, because I was chaplain at a Christian college. Now, I, I will say that NNU is a non-confessional college, so we don't. We have non-Christian students, um, but uh, you, as, as an eighteen-year-old who's grown up in a particular tradition, you come to this Christian college, and and you wind up with um, um, Catholic or Lutheran or Mormon roommate, and they talk about God in a whole different way than you're used to. And and you, you this is probably overly simplified, but if what I thought about so so the crisis crisis is if I if what I thought about God is not the way everybody thinks about God, then maybe God's not what I thought about God. Therefore, maybe there isn't a God. And so you you, you kind of go through this what we call deconstruction, which I think is a a path everybody they have to walk down on um and and i think one of the crises in the evangelical church is that there are too many grown-ups old folks who never walked that path that path 
and yeah. you know and 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 at, after That's a certain true. age you can't walk that path you just have to defend your path yeah yeah that makes sense that makes sense. 100 percent. so so i think that's probably number one is students navigating this new vocabulary new way of understanding god and god's relationship with us um and and a lot of that you know you know 18 to 20 year olds uh a lot of that was coming to school with the idea that god had a wonderful plan for their lives um footnote yeah right uh and they understood that in a way that it never should have been understood they understood it as a, a job and a spouse and a house you know and and honestly one of the recurring crises of a chaplain for 23 years is is the kid who was sure that was god's girl for him and she him and started going out with somebody else somebody else you know <laughs> oh and, and the you know, ops right yeah and and uh uh so so it was how do i sort out what i've been told about told. god's plan for my life when i knew i was supposed to be a doctor but i flunked organic chemistry and you know why doesn't the professor understand this is what god wants me to do and so why did she not pass me those are the kind of questions that that uh so it's sorting out that whole notion that 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 i think is 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 caused by kind of from teaching to begin with yeah yeah, you know, I mean, me, I'm fall. You know, I fell apart at 57, 58, <laughs> deconstructed, and then, you know, you know, and of course, I was working on a second doctorate in the Hebrew. Out of my dis- yeah. I was, I, I was chapters into my dissertation on that, and, but it, it fell apart for me, really. It really did, and I, and I think because I, I looked on, you know, this, this sort of like. It almost felt like God had set me up for it. If you looked back into the people that God put into my life, then the way that played out in my moment and the way some of some of that fell apart almost felt like a divine setup. This is and emotionally, this is how it felt. felt yeah. Apart emotionally, right? Um, you know, intellectually, I could have argued. You know, I you know I help thousands of people through darkness. You know, but when I hit it, and it, yeah. and I didn't even want to live anymore. It yeah. it just unraveled a whole different way. You know, you know I wasn't twenty two going through through this. <laughs> I was, right. right. was fifty seven, fifty eight with a, lots yeah. of degrees and lots of experience, and yeah, yeah, still, still, still on. You know, and then have had to rebuild a concept which which Tom's the kind of work you're talking about that that comes out of deep, deep crisis. I mean, it's like Jurgen Mult, Jurgen Moltmann's book by God coming out of the depths of the Holocaust. Yes. How do you, how do you get out of that? You know, right. or right. Into right. <laughs> out of it yeah. or, or responsible for it. And, you know, you, you just, you just think about the darkest kind of suffering that this planet people in the planet go through. 
how do you how do you come up with a guy who's in that? Yeah, you can believe in that's not a monster. Yeah, right. Yeah, and I think Tom's work. Um, it 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 really helps. It really helps with that. But I also understand how it makes some people really nervous. I understand too. Um, um, all, all my Cal- Calvinist friends get super. Yeah. Nervous. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I mean the, the phrase, but God's in control, you know, that, that phrase that we have, that we have used to just prop ourselves up. Emotionally. Yeah. You know? And I, I've, I've, I've shared with others and with students that, that, that are kind of stuck there that, you know, as I, as I read the Old Testament, the Old Testament, Testament. The, the Old Testament is a very long story of God repeatedly, repeatedly not getting God's way. You know, it over and over and over and over and over again, it doesn't go the way God wanted it to go. Why do we now say, um, you know, <laughs> God pulls the strings? He he clearly wasn't clearly wasn't. Testament. Yeah. Um, so, so, you know, we, we, I, I, I you know, to paraphrase Forrest Gump, Forrest Gump. Gump. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, and, and sometimes I say that too, but anyway, <laughs> Western evangelical folk have a hard time with that. Right. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I the thing I, Pulled, you know, I might have mentioned this in my interview with Tom, with Tom, but uh, Heschel, Abraham, Joshua Heschel. Yeah, yeah, you did. Yeah, I love Heschel, and he, he wrote this book on the prophets. Right, there's a chapter in there. It's right over there, over there, nice. <laughs> on my shelf. <laughs> and uh, if you want to get into that issue from the Hebrew mindset, I think Heschel does an incredible job. Chapters on the pathos of God. Yeah, yeah. Um, unpacking the the problem of having a uh, the Greek perfection categories imposed upon God and God right. versus right. this Hebraic, Hebraic kind of God, which I think is works out better. Study it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Well. Wow. Well, we could talk, we could talk for hours. Uh, so, uh, good stuff. Good stuff, Gene. Thanks. Thanks for your uh, willingness to do the podcast. And, uh, I would love to stay in touch. I, I Tom, I could get out to OrtCon this July, but I'm speaking at an audio feed conference in July. And maybe at this conference called wild goose festival in July, in July. And, in Chicago, I mean, uh, audio feeds in Chicago, wild goose in North Carolina. I'm not sure I can go Idaho to yeah, yeah. go to to deal, but I would love, but I would love to come if I could get there a little earlier, stay a little late. It'd be fun to hang out with you, out with you guys uh, in person. Yeah. Well, we'll be in Wichita in May. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you're ever in Kansas City again, You've got my cell phone now. Cell phone now. Yeah, when Joe when Joe and Rocky moved, we kind of lost our lost our, our reason to go to Kansas City. Okay. But all right, but, 
Um, yeah. Well, um, thanks so much. And I'm curious, curious, sometimes when I interview people, you know, they have, they have a website or a books or this or that or the other, let's just say somebody wants to get a hold of you. How would they do that? Is there a website or a email or, or anything? Your Facebook. I'm, I'm on Facebook. Look, uh, okay. at my age, I'm on Facebook regularly. Okay. <laughs> I know it ain't cool anymore, but they that's just where I through Gene Shandorf. Yeah, through Gene Shandorf, which is S C H A N N D O R F. One N. Yeah. S C H A N D O R F F. Yes. Two F's. Yeah. So yeah. check him out on Facebook. And, and uh, that's, I, I pretty much, that's where I am now. I'm not now. I'm not there. Uh, I, I, a younger friend taught me how to use Instagram and I forgot. <laughs> so I have a page, but I'm not there. I'm not right. Well, that's why Matt's here with me in this, in this podcast, my producer. So he's, he keeps me on at least yeah. he helps yeah. the best he can. Anyway, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm, you know, uh, one, you know, one, can I throw one more thing at you? Do I have time for one other thought on my own personal theology? Sure. Um, I, I, uh, Eric Fromm is the psychologist whose name I couldn't think of yeah, a okay. while ago. And Fromm has always been a real challenge to me and, and an encouragement. encouragement. Um, but uh, coming out of college and Entering into ministry, I had about a 10-year battle with the idea of God itself. And I, I was the guy that was pastoring a church and not sure whether there was a God or not. God or not. I, I, I got Jesus 100%, and so I just preached Jesus. Right. You know? Exactly. And I, I never said anything I didn't believe. Eve, but there was there was a point in time that I I just came to this I I got to get this one figured out, and I had a moment that I have that I have never shared and won't now. Now, but be, and 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 the reason for that is it wouldn't mean anything to anybody if I said this is how I know there's a God. It changed the world for me. World for me, wouldn't mean anything to anybody else. Wouldn't prove a thing to anybody. Buddy. Right. But I, I, I tell that story just, just to say that even, you know, e even without the, without the roller coaster that you and many others have been on, have been, you know, a church kid like me has had to go through some of that too. That too. Yeah. Where am I? Am I? Am I leading these people on every Sunday? It is, is, you know, this is a great story. I wonder if it's real. Yeah, right. <laughs> and and I, you know, in 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 what I would consider the faithfulness of God, He spoke to this kid in a language that this kid would understand. Understand. <laughs> and and that question went away and has never come back again. Again. <laughs> In its place, there have been lots of other questions, <laughs> right, right, but not that one. Yeah. So anyway, so anyway, sometimes just better questions, even. Yeah. Um, yeah, I appreciate you sharing that because I, I, 
I do think pastors suffer and suffer in times about around some of these issues because you don't feel the freedom to be totally brutally honest and fall apart in front of your congregation. You know, it's really hard. Like, like, to like just stepped out and like, you know, guys, I don't even know if I believe in any of this or not. No. <laughs> it's just all one big myth. At least it's a great myth. It's a, yeah. Yeah. Myth. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's a myth. It's a myth that's this has run uh, 2000 years or so, you know, you know, the early books to, you know, yeah. and, and, and one of my favorite lines from Merton, and I wish I could tell you where it came from. I, it came from. I read it out of one of his books, uh, uh, said, we will all live our lives as if something were true. Mm. You know, know, either it will be scripture Mm -hmm. or it will be the news Mm -hmm. or it will be the guy at the coffee shop, you know, but we will all live our lives as if something is true. Yeah. And we won't ever know for sure. (laughs) Yeah. And and and, this, and I and I've chosen to live my life as if this were true. Mhm. Yeah. In in the spirit of Merton. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah, well, our brains uh take all this information and create narratives and uh that that help us navigate the world and I, it's true we have to we have to we have to just to navigate life. We have to some kind of guidance system that helps us with that, you know? So beautiful. Well, thank you, Gene. Appreciate it. Appreciate it, man. Thank you for the chance to meet you and spend some time. Wish I wish I could write up with you. Just that's always fun just to get out and spin and talk, you know, (laughs) I do that every week with buddies, you know, I'm, you know, I'm out. So uh, I just rode Sunday and I'm, I'm not, I'm not in great right now coming through the winter and we've, we've had a difficult winter to ride through. And, uh, we did about a 60 mile ride and I was riding with somebody, somebody who's a lobby and about three other guys. And I had preached all morning, had a council meeting after church, then jumped on my bike at two o'clock Sunday without hardly any, like with a latte on my tay on my belly <laughs> calories. I was probably already dehydrated and I got out. Oh my crushing it with these guys and about two hours in i'm i'm bonking and starting to cr- starting to cramp and i go far away the last hour and a half of the ride was just mis- misery i hadn't bonked and cramped that bad in a long time and i was like going dang it man and it was all because i just didn't fuel and hydrate well enough before oh, the yeah. ride, you know as as you think you'd learn how not to bonk bonk as many as I've ridden, I've I've had years where I rode ten thousand miles in a year on my bike. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but at any rate, well, the first ride of the spring is always an interesting. Yeah, especially the first long long one. You know, the first yeah. last one, that kind of thing. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, yeah. tell take care. Thanks for doing this. Thanks everybody for tuning in to Spirituality Adventures and and see you next time. All righty, all righty. Good to be with you. This concludes today's episode. Thanks for tuning in and listening. Remember, if you're watching on YouTube, subscribe to my YouTube channel. 
Remember to like, share, or subscribe to the social media platform that you're using. And then go to our website, spiritualityadventures.com, and make a one-time donation, or you can subscribe monthly and receive our special bonus content. Thanks so much.